glad everyone is here. I'm so, so excited about today. Let's welcome everybody who's watching online uh, as well. We're thrilled to have you with us. I'm so, so excited about today. We had Sisterhood this past Sunday night, I mean past Thursday. It was awesome. Had such, such a great, great time. We've been in the series called Mobilize, okay? This is the word that I felt God gave us as a church for this year, 2019. Uh, If you were not with us last week, I want to encourage you, go back. Listen to that message. I think it was a very, very important one for not only our church, but some have said for the church as well. And I'm excited about uh, what is on the horizon. But we looked at this word mobilize last week, and I want to do it again. Mobilize means to prepare and organize troops for active service. It's to organize and encourage people to act in a concerted way in order to bring about a particular objective. To marshal for action. Ready for action. Movement to assemble and make ready for war. Uh, Every week, I I take it very, very seriously, the opportunity I have to stand in front of you. What an honor it is uh, that I get to uh, open up this Bible, these beautiful scriptures, this word of God, and, and this word that has the power to change and transform every single heart and life of every single hearer, okay? So it is an honor for me to be able to do that. And thank you so much for being willing to come week in and week out, and and be a part of this church family. Uh, This week, though, honestly, I I got this download, like, quickly. Sometimes my sermons don't come to me quickly. It's like I'm kind of wrestling for it. It's kind of like I'm looking for clues all the way throughout, and before I know it, I've got this bag full of goodies, and I'm putting the sermon together, and i got to actually take some goodies out because that's too much stuff for, you know, a 35-minute message. So I've got to save them for another time. Uh, but I'm kind of searching for, God, what is it you really want to, to say? But for this weekend, honestly, it all just kind of just kind of came to me at, at one time. I don't know exactly who this is for, but I think there's something in this message for, for everyone that's listening. I, I, gen, I genuinely believe that. And whether I'm talking about you or talking about somebody that you're connected with, I think all of us can grow and develop off of today. Now, I brought a stool out here. To keep me tied down so I don't just run all over the place with excitement and enthusiasm. So, Balcony, can you still see me? Balcony, you still with me on this? Okay, thank you. Now, now we're going to just jump in here um, with today's, today's flow. Uh, the reality is there are some of us that will never, ever fall prey to drugs. It's not going to happen. There's some of us in here who are listening today, you'll never fall prey to embezzlement. Like, you're not around enough money to embezzle it anyway, but you're, you're never going to fall prey to embezzlement. Some of us are never going to fall prey to alcohol. Just not going to be a struggle for us, whether it's because our parents dealt with it or grandparents or what have you. It's just not something that, that really pulls us at all. But there's another drug of choice for many people, and it's relationships. And we have not learned how to just say no. So if the person is needy enough, we'll help them. And if they're kind enough, we'll give them a chance. And if they're good-looking enough, shoot, they can have my number. (laughs) 
if the person talks well enough, is rich enough, has enough professionalism about them, if any of those things are true, it's in a moment, whoo, we'll be right there. If, if you are tired enough, lonely enough, upset enough, frustrated enough, angry enough, we might even sell our inheritance for a bowl of soup. We would be willing to exchange that which is incredibly precious to us for something that's very, very temporary. The enemy of our souls knows what we'll say yes to and what we'll say no to. That's why some things aren't a temptation for you, but other things. He knows exactly how to get you and I. The title of today's message is, I wish I had another chance. I wish I had another chance. Let let, let me set up this story uh, for us. Um, In Genesis chapter 37, it begins the story of, it actually says the story of Jacob, but it really quickly begins to focus on one of Jacob's sons. His name is Joseph. And and this Joseph is one of the, uh, like the youngest son, and this uh, Joseph is a a favorite to his dad. Matter of fact, his dad gives him a coat of many colors. His dad gives him this bomber jacket, and it's just the best bomber jacket ever. And he says, hey, son, I'm for you. I love you so much. And Joseph begins to have some dreams, and he has a dream that all of his older brothers are bowing down to him. Now, today in this service, our youngest son is in this service, our eight-year-old, Grayson. And uh, I love him so much. The guy is wonder in a bottle, so much joy, so full of life. He's absolutely amazing. Uh, But if Grayson begins to tell his older brother, brother, you're going to be bowing down to me one day. His 14-year-old brother is not going to be all that excited to hear that information and will probably try to pummel him. That's what will happen. As a matter of fact, at times I've told Parker, hey, you better try to wrestle Grayson now because one day... He's going to be bigger than all of us in this family. So you better train him now that he can't beat you. But Grayson, you're strong. Just so you know, you're strong, young man. You're strong. He's sitting down there like this. You could have stayed in bigs. You wanted to come in here today. So he, this Joseph now, is with, headed out to see his older brothers. And his older brothers are upset. And they say, hey, here comes that dreamer. Let's kill him. So he gets out there, and they take him. They're about to kill him. Another brother stands up for him and says, no, let's just throw him in a pit. But then they end up not killing him. What they end up doing is selling him into slavery. So now Joseph, who's like a favorite of his father, who has this coat of many colors, who has all of these dreams, is now thrown into a pit and then sold into slavery. He is taken out of his family, taken out of his home, moved from his nation to a whole other place. And he gets there and Joseph begins to lead like a boss in a place he does not want to be in. Let me pause right there for a second. If you hate your job, if you hate where you are right now in life, that does not mean God cannot elevate you and promote you in that place that you are in. 
As a matter of fact, I want to encourage you to lean into it as best you possibly can, and you'll be shocked at the gifts and the abilities and the favor that God will pull out of you when you're faithful to, to do what he calls you to do, even in spots you don't want to be in. So here he is in the house, and he's running everything. But Potiphar, who's his boss, has a wife, and this wife is interested in Joseph. Pick up with me in Genesis chapter 39, verse number 6. In these few verses right here, I'm about to prove to you how the Bible is not boring. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. He's a chief of staff. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Joseph was a very handsome. And well-built young man. I can see Facebook profiles and Tinder profiles changing right now. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come, sleep with me, she said. Rather, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her. My master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held nothing, he has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. Verse number 10. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day after day. After day, after day, after day, after day, after day. She's sliding into his DMs day after day, after day, after day. She's hashtagging his name. She's adding him. She's trying to friend him on Facebook. She's going by his office. And right now we're talking about Potiphar's wife. This happens to be a female, but it could totally be a male that's trying to holler at you and keeps coming by your office. It keeps coming by your job. It keeps knocking on your door. And it keeps giving you compliments about your hair and about your makeup and about your nails and about your leadership and about the, your ability ability to communicate and about how you're so wonderful and if you were in charge this place would be so much better because I've never seen a woman like you day after day after day after day but he refused to sleep with her refused and he kept out of her way as much as possible you ever when you're trying to uh, avoid someone, but you work with them? You just end up, you know, uh, at, at the coffee station at the same time. You're like, oh, dang, on, I got to get out of here quick. Black coffee today. I'm gone, you know, right now. <laughs> you, you see them in a parking lot, so then you wait in your car a little bit longer so you don't have to walk in with them. Here is Joseph. He kept out of her way. I want to encourage you, implore you, avoid what traps you. Avoid it. Stop thinking you're stronger than you think you are. Stop thinking you can handle everything. Stop thinking you are invincible and nothing can ever happen to you because you went to church on Sunday and you're fired up right now. No, my friends. 
much stronger men and women than us have fallen for much smaller things. So let's not be dumb into thinking we are above falling at all. Just be aware of what traps you and avoid it. Go around that thing. There's some things you need to take off of your phone. There's some places you probably you, you shouldn't go. Fellas, you're getting ready. You know, one night you're like, man, okay, this uh, tonight I'm not going out. I'm not going out tonight. Not tonight. Nope. Just hanging out here at the house. Let me just go to the gym real quick, get a quick little workout in. Now you see yourself at the gym and you're feeling a little swole, you know. Like, okay. Kind of feeling yourself a little bit. You know what I'm talking about, fellas. Come on. You're like, I can't keep this in tonight. I can't keep this in tonight. <laughs> Go home and put on a little bit of cologne, you know, that you got from Walgreens. And now you are <laughs> You're just waiting for your boys to call you. Just waiting for your friends to call you like, man. It's going to be good tonight, but I'm not drinking tonight. No, I'm not drinking tonight. Not tonight, not tonight, not tonight. But you get there. You're at the bar. You're starting to feel it a little. You start, hey, <laughs> oh, you're feeling it. You're feeling it. You're like, okay, and I'm swole. Okay, okay. One drink, just one drink, just one drink, just one and your friends know you can't do just one. You know you go from one to two to four to 18 to a table in no time at all. Avoid what traps you. Keep your behind home from the gym. Grab your insanity workout by yourself. And just stay home. Avoid what traps you. But look at this, verse, uh, Genesis 39, verse 11. One day, however... No one else was around when he went in to do his work. No one else is around. I, I want you to pay attention to these times. Pay attention to the times when no one else is around. I actually don't even travel places by myself. I don't, even want, I don't want to be in a spot when no one else is around. I actually bring someone with me. Actually, I'm as crazy. I heard Billy Graham does this, so I actually do it. If I'm on an elevator by myself and a lady comes to get on, I actually get off the elevator. You ain't catching me in nothing, y'all. You ain't catching me in nothing. You can't, you can't put nothing on me, okay? I, thank you. My wife said that's right. <laughs> I, I'm telling you... When no one else is around, you and I can start being dumb. We can start thinking things that we would not think if there were other people around. And we might be willing to do things that we would not normally do when no one else is around. So when no one else is around, that's when I need you to understand. It's not even just not even an issue of like people not being around physically, because people might be around you physically, but you, you feel disconnected from them emotionally. So internally, you're still feeling alone. You're still feeling like you're by yourself. You feel like you're in a battle all by yourself. And when the enemy can get you in that place, when he gets you in that spot, when you think you're all by yourself, it's like that National Geographic video when the lions are trying to get that wildebeest all off 
off by itself. It doesn't attack it when it's with the herd. It attacks it when it's all by itself. And all these lions will come and they try to tear it to pieces because it's all by itself. But there's some power when you're in community. There's power when you're around people that are for you and have your back and say, no matter what comes your way, I'm standing by your side. I'm asking you, don't live in fear, but live aware, okay? Fear will chain you and cripple you. Fear will try to make you live a a behavior modification life. And a behavior modification life is okay to a point. But what we want is a heart-transformed life. What we want is Jesus to do such a deep work on the inside of us that we want to do what God wants us to do, not we're just scared of not doing the wrong thing. We just want so much to honor God like Joseph is. He says, I cannot sin against God. I've got this relationship with God, and I cannot break this relationship. Let me talk. I want to talk for a second because I'm not just talking about dating here. I'm just talking about, like, you know, flirting with somebody at your office. Let me talk to parents for a second, okay? We love our kids. Our kids are a gift to us. We're so thankful for our children. They're like, man, God, thank you for blessing me with this child. I know they keep me up at all hours of the night, but I love this child so much. There's nothing you wouldn't do for your child. Well, we have seen so many husbands and so many wives and so many moms and so many dads. When they have the baby, the baby becomes a center of their life. Everything revolves around the baby. Even their relationship, their married relationship begins to suffer because it becomes about the baby. Their relationship with God begins to suffer because their life is all about the baby. They're disconnected from church for three months, six months, nine months, 12 months, before we know it, they got a child that's being going off to college and like, man, I just haven't been able to get back to church because of my baby. It's like, no, that baby's driving now. Do not allow your child to isolate you and put you all alone. Bring your kids on the journey with you. God blessed you with the child. Don't disconnect from God now that you have what he blessed you with. Makes me think about uh, uh, Rachel and Alan Tuttle. Uh, Rachel and Alan, our worship pastors here, do, do such a great job. Love them so, so much. And uh, they've been with us, I mean, from the, from the beginning, okay? I mean, there were 50 people uh, in the church at that time, and Rachel and Alan uh, were there. And, and them being with us, man, we have seen not only God do great things in their life, but we remember uh, when they came, now they have three kids, but when they came, they had one and one on the way. Lil's was in uh, Rachel's belly. And uh, she gave birth to Lil's, and, you know, we got to be there and celebrate and so beautiful. But she's on our worship team, and, you know, she just brought the baby with her to church. This is Sunday nights. This is before we even kind of went to Sunday mornings where we're like an official church launch. So we're there on Sunday uh, nights, and my wife and I look over like, man, look at Rachel. Here she is with her newborn baby, and she's just breastfeeding her baby there. You know, I'm like, okay, cool. That's great. We're family here. That's what I'm talking about. She's covered up. She's covered up. So she's like, yeah, she's breastfeeding. And uh, uh, I get done preaching, and it's time for the music to start, and she's on the team. And she didn't realize, oh, my goodness, it's about time for me to get up there. I have never seen someone unlatch a child from feeding. If she, did, she did a maneuver. I don't know how long she's been working on this maneuver. But she, 
passed that baby off, came up there so quick, started singing, worshiping the Lord like I knew exactly what I was doing the whole time. I'm just thankful. She was training other folks in the church to understand we're all busy. But we're bringing our kids on the journey with us, okay? We're not leaving them aside and allowing them to be an excuse of why we're not engaging with the things of God and pushing the kingdom of God forward in our generation. Yeah, you can definitely clap for that for sure. I am so, so proud. But look here, look here. Uh, verse number 12, 39, uh, Genesis 39, verse number 12. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away. I told you this wasn't boring. Joseph tore himself away. But he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. Now remember, his cloak represents the favor of his father. It represents that his dad is for him. It represents that his dad loves him so much. It represents all of those things. But even though it represents those things, it's not actually those things. It just represents it. Follow me here. I have a wedding ring on. My wedding ring represents that I'm married. But my ring is not my marriage. So my ring can be gone, but that does not mean my marriage is gone. I'm still connected with my wife, even though someone took what was represented. So here is Joseph, and this woman grabs a hold of his cloak. I'm so glad Joseph did not elevate what the gift represented. I'm glad he did not elevate just the thing. He remembered what the thing was actually about in the first place. So he says, hey, you can have my cloak, but you can't have my favor. You can have my cloak, but you can't have my character. You can have my cloak, but you can't have me. Take that, but you can't have my soul. So he runs. You think he runs and everything turns out great. You think he runs, does the right thing. Everything all of a sudden turns out beautifully for him. That he runs from her and stumbles into a pot of gold and goes back to his brothers and everything is perfect. That's not what happens. Look at this. Verse number 13, chapter 39 of Genesis. When she saw that she was holding his cloak, he had fled. She called out to her servants. Soon all the men came running. Look, she said. My husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came into my room to rape me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away, but he left his cloak behind with me. He does the right thing, but he ends up in prison for a crime that he did not commit. He ends up in prison. He's sitting there. Can you imagine him going, God, I tried to honor you. I did the right thing. Has anyone ever been here with this prayer? God, I did the right thing. Why am I in prison right now? Why am I in a spot that I don't want to be in when I just honored you? I can get if I didn't honor you why I would be in prison. But I actually just honored you and now I'm in prison. 
What Joseph does not know is he is going to meet a man in prison. And that man that he meets in prison is actually strategic to Joseph's destiny. And that connection is actually going to take Joseph from the prison to the palace in one day. And if he was never in the prison, he would never have met the person that would propel him into the destiny that God has for him. My point here is sometimes you say no and you think it puts you in the wrong spot, but you're not looking at things from God's perspective because from God's perspective, all things work together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. And here he is orchestrating things that put you in the right place at the right time. My wife and I were on staff for about 12 years at a church in, in Austin. It was actually called Shoreline. Uh, love Rob and Laura Coke so much. They, we still consider them our pastors, not only friends, but our pastors. We love them deeply. We, we took the name, though, though we're, we're separate churches, we, 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 we still we have the same name. Our name is actually Shoreline City, and theirs is Shoreline. But when we were on staff there uh, and felt like we were called to go lead a church, I remember people saying things to me like, hey, if you go lead a church, I'll go with you. You go lead a church. I'll follow you. And here, time after time after time, we told people, if you want to honor us, then you stay planted right here in this church and you hold up the arms of Rob and Laura Coat. That is how you will bless us. Person after person and time after time, we shut the door, shut the door, shut the door. Why? Because it would not be honorable for us to take the position that Rob and Laura Coke gave us, leverage that position to get, galvanize people to ourselves and hurt the church that we were a part of. They had given us a platform. They had given us influence in their church. We were like second in command almost in that church. And here we are up front. Rob Coke even said this when we decided to leave the way we did with honor and with respect. He said, Earl, if you had chosen to plan a church in Austin on day one, you would have had a thousand people. On day one. How much easier it would have been <laughs> day one to go, oh, look at the Lord. He blessed us with a thousand people that we took from our other church. No, no. What we decided to do was go to a whole other city <laughs> where we didn't know anybody. We drove up here in our U-Haul, and at that time, it was just my wife and I and our two sons. We were like, what? maybe we should have asked some people to come with us. <laughs> said, no, do it the right way. Let's honor the house that we came from. And in that honoring, it has been miraculous, the people that God has begun to bring into this church family in these short seven years, the leaders of leaders of leaders that he has brought into this family. And I'm talking about you right now. It has been absolutely mind-blowing. The no's that we said, look, it looked like we had made a foolish decision. As a matter of fact, I remember one pastor talking to me going, hey, you shouldn't do it like that. You need to get more people. You've poured a lot into that church. You need to have like 50 or 75 or 100 people that come with you from there. And just we were just like, no, that's not the way we want to do it. But God, he knows where he's trying to take you. 
what he's trying to do in your life and through your life. And when you do the honorable thing, it may not look like you're in the right spot initially. Initially, you might look like, oh, my gosh, I ended up in prison. But God knows where he put you, and he's trying to position you properly for the purpose that he has for your life. I want you and I to live like Joseph here. Go with me now. Go with me now to to Judges. I'll I'll give you the opposite. Somebody who does the opposite. Judges chapter 16. Verse, verse number one, Judges chapter 16, verse number one. It says, one day, Samson went to the Philistine town of Gaza and spent the night with a prostitute. I want you to see, it takes one verse for this brother to fall. <laughs> one verse. <laughs> You got Joseph battling day after day after day after day, dodging, weaving, moving. Samson's like, "Mm, ah, let's just do it. Let's just go for it. Let's just go for it. I, I, I want you to know that wherever you might find yourself, maybe you've been a lot like a Samson. It's just quick for you. Quick to dishonor. Quick to make the wrong choice, quick to go the wrong direction. It's just, it doesn't take much. That's why you're like, I got to be at church every week. I got to be in a connect group. How many connect groups can I go to? How how much can I serve? Because you know once you get out, it's like, it's quick. It takes one verse for you. He ends up in a relationship with this woman named Delilah. This woman is after his strength. Samson thinks she's for him, but she's actually working for the enemy. The enemy has sent her to Samson to take him out and remove him from his purpose. And I just felt compelled. I felt burdened in the healthiest of ways. To pray that God would open up all of our eyes and we would have discernment for the people that are in our life to know if they're working for the enemy to try to get us off of our purpose. And it might sound good. It might sound like an opportunity. It might sound like an open door. It might sound like this is a chance you've been waiting for. Oh, here's the microphone is going to be put in my hands. Oh, here is the leadership position I've been waiting for. Oh, here is the money that I've been looking for. Oh, here is the promotion that I've been looking for. And I just need you to know I want you to pay attention to the warning signs. I want you to pay attention to the, to the, fire, the fire siren that are going off over and over and over again in your heart where you know something's not right, something's not right, and you keep talking yourself into it when you know something's not right. That's the spirit of the living God saying, son, daughter, I love you so much. I am so for you. Don't uproot yourself. Don't move yourself. Don't don't you dare say yes to that thing that I'm trying to get you to say no to. I'm going to have you read Judges chapter 16 later today. Just go re- read it later today. There's so much truth in there, so much truth. As you look at Samson and Delilah, 
Uh, please understand this is not a male-female thing like females are bad and males are good or, you know, or vice versa. Both of us are jacked up. Both of us can fall at any given time. Both of us can lie on someone else. That can happen for any of us. What I'm after today, what I'm after is the God of heaven grabbing a hold of your heart and drawing you so close to him that you no longer will, will succumb to the intoxication that relationships can bring and pull you outside of the plan and purpose that God has for your life. Here's my last verse. I'm going to be all done here. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 2. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 2. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down the right hand of the throne of God. Here is Jesus who goes through some temporary pain for an eternal reward. So here's the principle I want us living with. Something I want tattooed on our heart, if you will. I'm not playing for tomorrow. I'm living for eternity. I'm not playing for tomorrow. I'm living for eternity. When you and I keep living lives just for tomorrow, we become so short-sighted and we make exchanges that we would never make if we had eternity in mind. Men, I need you to understand this. Women, I need you to understand this. On the inside of you, There are generations in you. So the reality is, when I'm talking to you right now, I'm actually talking to everyone who's in you. Okay? When Adam, when God spoke to Adam, he was not just talking to Adam. He was talking to all of us because we were in Adam and Eve. So when I'm talking to you, I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to who's connected to you. I'm talking to the legacy that God wants to bring out of you. I'm talking to generations that haven't even lived yet. I'm not playing for tomorrow. I'm living for eternity. My friends, if we can get this, I think there can be an unlocking. I don't want any guilt. I don't want any shame. I don't want anyone feeling judged or like stones have been thrown at you. But with the, if the God of heaven is knocking on the door of your heart right now, and he's saying, yeah, he's talking to you. He's talking to you right now. It's actually not me talking to you. It's him using me. I'm just the middleman to talk to you. And I want you to respond with a resounding yes to what God is trying to do in your heart and in your life. In mind, friends, do me a favor, bow your heads just for a moment. If you're under the sound of my voice today, you've never given your heart and your life to Christ. You've never made him number one. You've never made him first. You've never made him the boss of your life. 
if you're honest with yourself right now, you would say you're in the driver's seat of your life and Jesus is not. But you're, under the sound of my voice today, you're saying you don't want to go your own way anymore. You want to go his way. You don't want to be first in your life. You want him to be first. I'm going to ask you on the count of three to do something simple but something ridiculously bold on the count of three. I literally want you to shoot your hand in the air and say, yes, that is me. I want to give my heart and I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. Ready? One, two, three. Three, just shoot your hand in the air. You're saying, yes, that's me. There's hands going up all over this place. Friends saying, I want to give my heart. I want to give my life to Christ. I don't want to go my own way anymore. I want to go his way. If you're a follower of Jesus right now, you ought to be praying for those on your right and on your left because this is a moment of transformation and destiny for them. Who else wants to get in on this prayer? You're raising your hand and just saying, God, it's me. God, you're, you're knocking on my heart. I want you to have my heart. I want you to have all of me. I'm going to ask everyone in this place to do me a favor. Put your hand over your heart if you would not mind. And I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I admit I made mistakes. And today, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Give me the power to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's lift our heads up and clap our hands with enthusiasm. Come on, church.